welcome to November's Strategy Cafe. Um, really pleased to um, have new subscribers this month. Um, for those of you who are new, Cafe is our monthly leadership magazine, and we uh, kind of pick out interesting topics uh, on leadership, and we like to um, take leaders from all sorts of different spectrums uh, and look at leadership from many angles. Um, and our hope is you find it useful and inspirational in your own leadership challenges. Uh, so our purpose is to help you as a leader to lead better, and that's a mix of getting your strategy right and then supporting you with the delivery of that. And that's, a, I guess, a bit of our unique approach to life. And one way of doing that is to help you understand uh, leadership and growth options. And the cafe is a nice way to connect with you all and share our thinking. Uh, really pleased to hear your suggestions for subjects, uh, for improvements, uh, and for people that you'd like us to interview. So if there's anyone out there you think would be great and you want to hear from them, um, yeah, just let us know. Don't forget you can post questions uh, during the um, during the um, webinar this morning, and uh, we can pick these up and pass them uh, to Hillary during the session. Um, uh, so please put your questions uh, up in the questions area. I think uh, Hillary's camera has disappeared. Hopefully that'll come back, but you can see me. Um, just a little bit about forthcoming events. Uh, so uh, the next one, really delighted uh, to have um, CEO of the Quality and Human Rights Commission coming up in December's cafe. Um, Rebecca is very interesting um, as a leader. And the commission at the moment is um, tackling gender pay gap and sort of part of the Me Too movement, the sort of sexual harassment issues at work. Uh, so that's kind of like good con context. And we're going to be talking to her about uh, leadership, sort of social leadership, you know, um, taking legal action and campaigning for uh, improvements in equality in the UK. Uh, really interesting. So um, after today's webinar, you should be able to register and um, um, come on board in December to, to listen to me interview Rebecca. Uh, so um, um, welcome, uh, Hilary. Good morning, Nick. Um, so tell us a little bit about you. Well, you can see a picture of me on the on the slide. If you say I've lost the camera because there was a, it said there was a low signal. So maybe if somebody wants to come around and do some magic, that would be helpful. Um, but I can I can talk anyhow. So. You can see from the slide that I was the um, president of the Institute of Chartered Accountants until just over a year ago. And so um, in doing that role, that was uh, an amazing opportunity. Uh, but it did put me on one side from doing what I was doing before, which was doing some teaching and some research. So I put those activities to one side while I was involved being the president. And I've now had the opportunity to um, come back and, and do more work in that space. Um, what was it like to be um, president? Oh, it was absolutely amazing. I mean, you're leading an organization of um, 150,000 people. Wow. Um, you were elected by a council of 90, so they're deciding you're the person that they want to lead them. And yeah. for me, the most important thing about being a leader is to um, make sure that people are following you. So an awful lot of what I was doing as the leader was meeting members, hearing what their concerns were. And then the Institute was developing its new strategy. 
So very right. much trying to move the strategy forward um, to make it fit for the next 10 years or so. And can you give us this, I mean, that's quite a really interesting time to arrive as president when they're going through the strategy review. So, you know, what, what were sort of the key themes? Well, the key themes we decided was that we were overall wanting to be a, a world of strong economies and help build that. That was what the Institute's main focus was. And that was around the individuals doing it. It was around the institutes um, making sure it was offering the qualification um, around the globe. Uh, and it was around doing an awful lot of capacity building work to help develop the profession globally. So yeah. those themes around that. Really interesting. And um, I think that, uh, you know, kind of your arrival also chimed with your prior work on uh, profes professional learning. So maybe just give us a bit of an insight into that, which kind of feeds into this background that we can see on your slide here. So the, um, the, the background around the research is, is that I was trying to work out what were the, what should learning look like for chartered accountants? Um, in the future. Um, it was very much around the fact that everybody, all professions are facing enormous change. It was around the fact that um, increasing regulation for people, um, increasing globalisation, whoever the professional is, it was very much um, the challenges that they were facing. And when I started my research, it was about six years ago. and. Uh, Brexit wasn't even thought of then, um, and the impact of AI wasn't thought of. But even by then, there was a big area of change, a big storm of change building up. So that was one of my dyna dynamics for doing my research. The next dynamic was around the fact um, that um, the shape of careers are changing. So members of individuals are having longer careers, they're having more gaps in their careers, they're changing career more often. Uh, and so um, you're looking at all those changes and you're working out what should the learning be like to help people survive and thrive. And that was all very well me wanting to do that. Then the, then the external driver, if you like, was that the global body for accountants said, let's set up a um, a requirement that all professional accountancy bodies um, need to um, make sure they've got compulsory CPD schemes, continuing professional development schemes for their members. And so in doing that, um, they then wanted all the bodies to put in schemes and to foster a commitment to lifelong learning. So I thought, do you know what, this is a very vague phrase, what does lifelong learning mean? And how can our members survive and thrive in this uh, context that they're in so that was the background to the research i think i think it's cool it's really challenging um i think when, when we were chatting about this i was um um talking about my experience in uh, professional life and um you know i i kind of know what you mean because in a big in a big professional firm you get a real mix of attitudes about um you know professional development continuing professional development from those people who uh, just see it as a chore um and firms sort of similarly pay short shrift to it sometimes. Uh, all the other, all the way to the other end of the spectrum, where where you'll have some uh, professionals who who see it as uh, an exciting way of helping clients and um, bringing in business to the firm, and and go with a sort of a zest and a hunger for 
you know what's coming up and then in the middle is um i would say sort of a uh, a, uh, a population of the fearful who are worried about getting things wrong and their main reason for being there is make sure they don't get anything wrong which is a big driver so it's, it is a real mix and um i was quite interested in what you're saying about the storm of change sort of kicking off around the time you started to do this research it definitely feels like that doesn't it, it feels like there is so much change uh, and there's a lot to talk about accountants becoming or you know professionals of any sort becoming irrelevant about uh, the, the machines taking over lots of the the white collar work and it's a, it's a huge um sort of social shift going on for professionals and this point about staying relevant i think is is really significant and and the the trouble is that the letters cpd have been yeah. um, captured as an adjective if you like yes. to describe courses um, and so it's something that you have to do. You have to tick a box about it. Yes. Um, and and so that's the that's the shame. And so the excitement of learning is is lost. And it's about yes. have you done enough of what you were supposed to be doing? Yes. Yes. Rather than knowledge is exciting and uh, powerful as an expert and uh, useful. Um, so there's something of the passion in the knowledge. I would think for. If you, you know, if you're in the, if kind of, in a way, if you're in the right space. So, I mean, I think that nicely feeds into this, this, this slide. Maybe just talk us through this. I think this is your, you know, your discovery. How did you come to this idea? And talk us through how this works. Well, it's, a, it's a deceptively simple slide. I can't believe it took me oh, three and a half years to uh, <laughs> work it out. But um, when, when you're doing research, you have to find out a um, framework. Um, that you're fitting your research around and I was trying to find out what people have been saying about learning and um, very much um, there'd been a, a school of thought that um, learning was about knowledge and skills and attitude and so the triangle other researchers had had the triangle with that line across the top rather than down the side um, yeah. and I was struggling with how this all fitted together and then as soon as I moved the whole thing through 60 degrees i could see how it would make sense and so the three dimensions of learning that people were talking about so your knowledge and skills your attitude and your behavior those are very much the um the three aspects that if you make sure your learning is encompassing all of those you'll do you'll do really well but having turned it round, you could then see the trajectory in that um people at the top were very much um, or the top area is very much around doing CPD and um, yeah. the knowledge, having the knowledge and skills that you need. Yeah. Whereas um, as you move down, you're looking far more at um, how you need to um, learn in different ways. So you can describe the knowledge and skills at the top as learning as acquisition. Um, and you can describe the attitude area as learning as becoming because it's how you're changing and the yeah. behavior one is learning as participation. And so you can see how um, as we move forward into, into the 21st century, we need very much to be um, making sure we're learning in all those ways by participating and um, becoming as well. Um, the acquisition will never go away. We'll always need the knowledge and skills, but it's those other bits that we need to add in. And the uh, doing CPD was a phrase that came up early in the research, but the lower areas, the changing yourself and changing your world were phrases that came out of me reading a quote from Aldous Huxley only oh, last year he was saying that um, you can't hope to change the world you can only hope to change yourself and um, yeah. my thinking is that 
if you have a go at changing yourself, then you might be able to have a go at uh, changing the world around you. So the bottom, the top, the top part's very much about CPD. The bottom part is about um, the other learning that you need to be refreshing and renewing yourself. Yeah. Um, uh, so, uh, folks, if you're listening in, you've got questions. There's a poll area, um, so just or a questions area. Just go in there and type the question in. I can see Susie's online this morning and has, um, put a hand up. So, if you've got a question to ask Hillary, we'll field them towards the end. Just put your questions into the into the question area. I, I love Aldous Huxley. He's um, he's a really interesting person to to read. And uh, we always say so. I mean, Olympics obviously a change practice. Uh, but one of our principles is exactly the same, Hillary. It's um, uh, first person to think about changing is changing yourself, because the people that you're with, the people you're influencing, um, will will be influenced by that. So that is how you can't you can't control how other people make their own minds up and how they decide to change, but you can control your own change, and it will influence. So as you say, it gives you a chance to change the world. And in this space, the knowledge and skill space, I think that's really powerful. And the only other point I'd add is that the danger is that you you do your CPD and then you try to change the world, and yeah. you won't do that unless you also change yourself. Yes. So it's uh, there's a temptation to think, oh, I'll leave out that bit. You know, I can just go on um, as I am. But you've actually got to um, integrate it so that it's a, a complete process. Yeah. So let's let's move on to this. So I think this is a really uh, maybe a slightly more complicated set of pyramids, but just talk us through because I think it all makes sense. Just um, maybe just walk us through this, Hilary, and we can maybe put the dots together. So the, these are the the same three dimensions. And after I'd um, got my doctorate and I was playing around with this, I thought, well, actually, I've got a theoretical model. How can I describe it to other people? And so very much what um, this does is it divides it up into um, nine different areas um, and it's it's very much around the um, starting at the top with the courses and the technical updates that's very much around doing your CPD if you like uh, yeah. and very much around the whole question of um, being an informed professional that's the phrase that I came up with um, whereas when you add the next stage down yeah. um, the, um, with the second layer in as well you're then bringing in all the learning at work. So this is what being a professional is all about. It's about learning on the job. It's about learning from other people. It's about learning through reflection. And so for me, the two, top two layers, I then think that's the competent professional. Mm. So that's the person that's very safe to send out to the clients and also um, somebody that the regulator would be very happy to approve to carry out work in a, in a defined space. Uh, but then the bottom bit, brings in an idea that I was describing as career adaptability. And right. that's where you're just bringing in this whole continuous change process into what you're doing um, so that you can then be what I call the complete professional. Right. So that's, that's somebody that's absolutely competent, but also continually um, refreshing their skills. And so you can see with this framework, I. I was very much thinking it was linear to begin with and thinking I've got the top layer, the middle layer, the bottom layer, but right. actually play around with it in all sorts of ways. So you can take away the um, the four on the right-hand side triangle with learning through reflection at the top, and that's all about changing yourself. 
you yeah. can take the chunk that's headed up with learning with and from others and that's all about um, trying to change the world that you're involved in um, so you can actually play around with this and the idea is that I mean doing anything like going on a course it's not just about knowledge and skills because you meet people yeah um, but um, if you make sure that you're learning um, encapsulates all nine areas of the of the model then what you find is that um, you're learning in as many different ways as possible and if I've got time for just a quick example um, yeah. after I graduated I um, wrote to the the uh, sort of CPD research guru who'd um, I talked to before I started my research and I I thought well I'm supposed to be experimenting and exploring so I sent him the thesis and said here yeah. you are and that's not my natural instincts to just sort of share things like that. So I was working, I was living the model because I developed it. Right. And he wrote back and said, come and meet for, for a coffee and would you like to write a book? So and that was just an immediate example of being proactive, changing what you're doing, um, and, and it will change uh, the future for you. And actually behind each of these, I've now got sort of six mini questions that you can ask yourself. Yeah. Um, make sure that your learning is being as holistic as possible. I should go back to this one. Go on, carry on with the questions. No, no. I, I mean, it's just the fact that there is a toolkit. Um, oh, yeah. Because all the time you're a researcher and you're finding out this theoretical stuff and then you're working out, well, if I actually want to make a difference myself with this, I've got to make it so it's what um, all the professionals out there want, what they'll yeah. find useful. So that's the thing, you, you do research, you find something out, and then if you're not going to be the one that uh, takes it forward and does more with it, then it's just going to disappear. So yeah. this is why I'm trying to spread the word about the, uh, the framework. So, I mean, um, we're, so we're interviewing Dr. Hilary Lindsay this morning on her research and time as president of the Institute of Chartered Accountants and also on the work she's been doing to encourage professionals to uh, see um, their lifelong learning in that sort of more holistic sense and just looking at her model. Got some great questions uh, come through for you. Um, so um, I did click onto this slide um, about the default buttons as I mean, and these apply to accountants, but I get they, they apply to many professionals. Um, but um, just talk us through this. Well, um, as accountants, we're trained to be all these things down the left-hand list. I mean, or, or they're really important, particularly early on in our careers. Before we're completely in charge of our own destinies, other people will be giving us deadlines and chargeable yes. hour targets and so on. So we become very left-brain orientated. Um, and the really difficult thing is to actually realise that I need to sort of say to the left-brain, go away and have a coffee. And let's have a little break and let's do some of the positive stuff. So yes. the points on the right hand side, which is the bottom part of the framework, are things that when I've talked to accountants or when I've been on courses where we've we've used my framework on the, the CARBA wellbeing courses, when I talk to them about it, they've just never thought that that was something they ought to be doing. So yes. it's, it's just trying to get people to realise to help themselves, they need to be good enough at each of these five areas on the right. I think it's really great insight. And I think, um, uh, you know, if you start to encourage people to um, think about how they can experience it in this way. Um, so part of this, I think, is about attitude, isn't it? So you've got their positive attitude and 
um, and self-belief, um, uh, the willingness to explore, the willingness to experiment, the willingness to engage. And if your if your self attitude starts with this is just points for my uh, annual qualification update, then you know your mind in a way is not open to those things. But if you encourage people to um, uh, think about how they can um, you know, where, where in their life they have positive attitude and self-belief, where they experiment, and to explore their CPD in that way, uh, I think they only have to experience it a little to really to feel it, to sense it, and then and then it'll take off for them. Yeah, I think you, you're quite right, and it it's it's just that that mindset that um, helps you uh, all the time. Everything you're doing is a learning opportunity. So it's really, you know, you're taking us back into the concept of growth mindset. Um, I put this one up, which is one of our one of our sort of slides on on thinking about things that happen to you that make you who you are, um, and thinking ahead about how you're going to change your attitude to things and plan ahead. Um, so this is around life purpose. But I guess the basic point is that what you're saying is that for professionals, you know, um, my my learning um, really is got to be related to my life purpose yes it has but it's also uh, looking at this slide which I looked at with interest is that each time any of these things happens like you've got a job or you've got a better job um, or you've lost a job actually they're all opportunities to look through the framework and think about what learning do I need to be doing at this point in time yeah. um, and you it, you, your long-term purpose may not be that clearly defined, but yeah. um, the really important thing for me is that as a, if you're a member of a professional body and you're wanting to go on trying to make a difference to society for as long as possible, then it's about trying to make sure that any decisions you make now take into account where you want to be in the future. And, and so when I've talked to our members, the ones that have been able to, even if they have career breaks, have been able to stay on the, um, the fringes of the profession in some way and, and keep connected to the professional um, role in some way. They're the ones that can then pick up their career later on. And so it's about um, thinking short term, medium term and long term um, and yeah. having the at the end. But the purpose will keep changing. So but it's what the framework does do is it makes sure that your attitude and your behavior fit together and the, you're trying to be one person. Yes, and I guess uh, thinking of your learning in its broadest aspect, uh, so that you're creating that resource in yourself to respond. You know, um, we, uh, we heard from you from Old Huxley earlier on, um, maybe just throw in Lennon as well, who said, I think it was Lennon, you know, life's what happens while you're busy making other plans. Um, you know, sometimes in life things come at you. You can have periods where you're, as a professional, just sort of doing the same thing, and CPD can become more of a routine in your in your mind. But actually, that's a time to build, uh, because mm -hmm. life will always throw a curveball at you at some point, which I think is also what this, you know, it's kind of what you're saying. Um, yes, yes. Things yes, will happen. Opportunity, being aware of what's happening. Yeah. Are you Are you okay to take a few questions? Got yes, of course. Questions? Uh, so Vicky, Vicky's online, um, Vicky Prattley, and um, uh, Vicky, I think, is um, she's trained in many different um, professional aspects, in, including law. Uh, so Vicky's asking, uh, do you have you come across the science of character 
um, the sort of the movement around that, um, which is more about traits um, and showing that character traits are as important, uh, for example, as science or as maths in our on our teaching. Um, she's sort of asking that in the light of what you were saying. Um, what do you think about that, about the, uh, the idea of character traits being important? I don't know that area particularly well, um, but I think that um, what the framework can do is make you um, more rounded, if you like, or make you aware of things that you might be avoiding doing because of your natural, the way you are. So you might be instinctively more introvert, um, and so when you have a framework that says you're supposed to do a bit of experimenting and exploring, you might think, oh, my goodness, that doesn't suit me at all. Yeah. But in a way, you're being given permission to do it. So I think that's where it fits in. Yeah. Um, interesting sort of add on to that from Katerina, um, who's, who's on uh, Katerina Gould, who's listening, is a um, fantastic coach. Morning, Katerina. Um, uh, she says she encourages her clients to experiment and to think about risk taking. She's just wondering for you, given your kind of um, research with accountants um, who are generally trained to reduce risk or minimize risk, how do they respond to the idea of risk of, you know, experimenting? Well, it, you need both, don't you? You need to be um, aware of risks, but then having found out a particular risk, you then need to work out how can I mitigate it, how can I work around it, and the mitigation doesn't just want to be around um, protecting things, mitigation might be about being more proactive. Um, yeah. So if we look at Brexit at the moment, nobody knows what's going to happen, and I don't want to get into it in any detail at all, but lots of businesses are actually choosing to do extra things they wouldn't normally doing because they can't wait to wait to see what happens, they actually need to be getting ready now. And it's yep. that sort of anticipation that's uh, that's um, a key part. And uh, some of them like to experiment a lot. Some accountants don't like to experiment a lot. And I'm not saying that by experimenting you should be reckless in any sense. But it's just about is there a better way or a different way or what are other people doing that I might do instead? It's that sort of mindset. I think that's uh, one of the great benefits of being in a, in a firm is that, I mean, that's one thing that um, in, in my experience was always really enjoyable was actually being, so for example, if we went to a, a CPD session, um, one of the things that was really great about that was actually being together with senior colleagues who had experience and talking about some of the learning and how we might apply it. Um, because the ideas of other professionals were, you know, uh, good clues as to how to experiment in your own practice uh, with clients. and. Um, very interesting. And I think the other way of looking at it, I would say, is, you know, things like tough love. Um, you know, sometimes you have to take a risk to be honest with somebody. And I think, um, you know, uh, in law um, or in a, in accountancy in particular, that's a, almost a requirement with clients is that you, you, you have to risk honesty all the time when many others are hiding uh, from it, um, either because they're fearful of what might have happened or there's a mistake happened and, you know, the, the job of the auditor, if you like, is to reveal what's hidden. So uh, that does require the risk of honesty, doesn't it? It certainly does. And and it's it's a bit back to this critical friend idea. I'm, yeah. not saying what, I'm not commenting on friendliness of auditors, but I'm talking about the fact there are always two aspects. And the other yeah. interesting thing with the experimenting, Nick, is that um, when somebody new joins your organisation from a different organisation, they seem to have 
all sorts of bright ideas. Well, actually, they've just been somewhere else. Exactly. And so this is one of the obvious ways of bringing in new ideas is by talking to other people and finding out how they do things. So we're talking about the idea of experimenting and curious about how people in professional life will respond to that. But actually, when you dig into it, it is just at the root and it's the root of professionalism, isn't it, to experiment with new ideas um, while staying within the ream of honesty and best practice. And it's that's mm -hmm. kind of one of the challenges, I think. But really interesting. Um, Bryony. Uh, talk about Bryony. developing professional practice, don't we? That word developing means that you're yes. moving forward. I think it's really hard, isn't it? Some of the questions in that conversation about how do you influence a client where you, your connection is professional, but you want them to change. Going back to your very first slide, how do I influence others? And you know, again, that's at the heart of uh, professional leadership is leading clients in the right direction um, and can be very tough to do. So a critical friend. Uh, I think it's about the, um, the attitude bit, the changing yourself bit yes and it's very much about being authentic yes so that people know who you are and what you stand for and that's always going to be there whatever you've got to say so sometimes it's good news sometimes it's bad news but people will know that you're coming from a particular perspective Just turn my lights back on here um so I think that's fascinating stuff and sort of really digs into the heart of the challenge of um, uh, professional leadership. This sort of strangely ambiguous space of leading clients in the right direction and needing to be honest and the the, the challenge of working out. How, and it does take you back into what Vicky was saying about character traits, because there's some really interesting stuff about, um, you know, how if you have great rapport with your clients, it's, it's much easier to uh, to influence them. Whereas if you have a sort of, um, you know, a stonewalling kind of relationship, a cold relationship, um, they're less likely, in a way, they're less likely to connect and therefore they're less likely to listen. So it does bring you down to the bottom half of your triangle, I think, in the it, human aspects. It comes down to the engaging part and about the developing the, an, an honest relationship so you understand their position and they understand your position. Yes, um, exactly. Yes, great points. And Bryony was asking about who should take responsibility for this, I guess. So, um, you know, professional firms out there who are training their, uh, their intake, you know, should, you know, in terms of influencing this approach, which is, I think, really strongly backed by your, by your research, and people can have a look at that if they're interested. Um, but, you know, who should be really taking responsibility for taking professionals down this route in terms of their lifelong learning? Is it the, is it the employer's responsibility or is it or is it ours as professionals? Where does it lie? That's a, a really, really interesting question. And it's one that's been uh, teasing CPD researchers for decades. Just uh, <laughs> who does CPD benefit? Who is it for? Yeah. Um, and I, th I think the top part of the model, the competent professional, is very much um, absolutely in the interests of the, the employer. Yes. Um, it also is in the interests of the employee, but the employer is going to make sure that they've got fit and proper people that they're sending out to do their particular tasks that they need to do. The bottom bit, um, and me being selfish, you know, that's me. This is how I, how do I develop me? How do I develop the Hillary Lindsay brand? It's about doing the bottom part. So I think yeah. individuals can all look at the bottom part for themselves. But if the organisation also brings in the bottom part, then um, they will find that their employers are um, being able to add extra to what they're doing. 
And that's yeah. really the, the point. They'll be bringing that extra um, proactivity to what they're doing, um, questioning, challenging, improving things. So I think it's a mixture, really. And the other yeah. thing with this, of course, is that um, this is a framework that, as with all frameworks, individuals can look at this, but also teams can look at this. Right. So a team within an organization could actually look at all these areas and say, well, how well are we learning in all these spaces or what more could we be doing or what would make us more effective? So it's a, it's a real mishmash. <laughs> I love it. I think it's a really lovely framework and I'm really pleased that you've um, been so generous to come on the cafe this morning and share this with us. I think it's a fantastic piece of leadership in terms of uh, encouraging education for anyone who's got um, you know, a desire, a drive to improve their um, both their, their, their hard skills and their soft skills um, to make a difference in their lives and in the lives of their customers and their team. I think it's a really wonderful model. And there's loads of sort of, um, sort of learning from this. So really, really cool. Certainly resonates with me and I'm sure it does with everybody else out there. So um, some great questions from everybody and a nice uh, comment from Vicky just at the end. Um, uh, she's sort of picking up on the quote, and changes learning, which uh, she says summarizes uh, this discussion. I, I agree and uh, I really like that. Um, thank you very much and thank you everyone for your questions. So just a quick summary and then we wrap up for the day. Um, so um, professional knowledge is about application. Um, you know, how do you apply it? How do you influence your clients, the world around you in, in your context? So whether that's engineering, architecture, the law, um, you know, accountancy, other professions, medical, um, you know, and um, the context is shifting so quickly that it, it can become demotivating to, um, you know, as you get through your career. And I've certainly seen many people become demotivated by the amount of new learning that they're constantly sort of bombarded with. But but the context is shifting, so that learning can never stop. And and the key to this, you know, getting that motivation, uh, is about relating the learning back to our life and our purpose, and then that becomes really, really key. Um, and will pull you back into doing the hard work and keeping it going. Um, and then that drives motivation. So that's a question about how we routinely weave our personal growth into our work. And, you know, um, I really like the idea of layering it. So learning on the job, learning with clients, learning through projects, learning for real, um, you know, it, it both there's a sort of a tic-tac, if you like, in my mind, between the uh, the textbook and the technical learning and what I'm trying to do right now. And I think the world is moving in that direction. So um, just as a very simple example, I can always watch a YouTube clip on how to tie my bow tie just before I go out. Um, I've got the need to go out and I want to look smart and I can just access a little bit of technical learning to get that bow tie right. I can never I can never remember it. I ought, I ought to I ought to have got it by now. But there's just a really simple example. Um, and then that brings you back into maintaining standards uh, and the recognitions, which is so key to our brand as professionals, if you like, that we have those badges of achievement. So ultimately, we're saying attitude and behavior drive growth um, in both expertise. And then ultimately, I think what Lindsay is, is saying is, um, sorry, Hillary is saying is that um, there's a wisdom point there, which is about which is about life and, and who you are. I hope you enjoyed it. Um, as usual, big question to you is, is there one thing uh, from today's session from Dr. Lindsay that you're going to do? You know, uh, you can have the slides, they'll um, be up online, you can go back and review them. Thinking about your own self-development, your own connection with your learning in your life, you know, what's the one thing you're gonna do? Um, love to hear from you if anyone wants to send any sort of comments in.
And then just a reminder, we talked about this up at the top of the cafe. So next one will be our last one uh, for 2018. And we're absolutely privileged to have the CEO of um, the Equality and Human Rights Commission on, on the 13th of December at 8.30. Um, and they're currently looking at um, identity issues, um, sexual harassment, the Me Too movement, gender pay gap. And so um, our conversation is going to be about, it's really going to be about authenticity and identity. Um, and um, um, Rebecca is just absolutely fascinating. And this, this session is, again, leadership in a different space. So this is about influencing society and influencing equality and influencing access. And um, uh, you know the, the institutions that we have in the UK that do that, and the people that man those institutions that uh, sort of lead there and um, try and make things better. So absolutely fascinating, and really looking forward to to talking to Rebecca. Um, and then um, just a final note: twenty uh, third of January uh, is our next London Leaders Forum. We had a fantastic session this month. Um, and the next one is going to be about helping people with change. I think that kind of feeds in really beautifully to um, what Hillary's been talking us through today. And she's been kind enough to uh, come uh, to agree to come along and speak as our next forum. So if you want to come along and hear her, you'll be able to register on our website um, shortly. And um, you know, just a reminder that 10% um, uh, of ticket sales for Leaders Forum goes to our chosen charity place to be. Uh, so. Um, uh, oh, um, yeah, uh, just uh, forgot to mention as well the summer. So it's a long way out, but we're getting ready for it now. So this is all leading into a big conference around meaningful human leadership and new models of business for people in leadership in the changed world, which is going to be on the 12th of June. So um, hopefully it'll be nice and hot again. And uh, we'll be through all of the politics, um, I can dream. So thank you for listening. Uh, thank you, everyone, for coming on this morning. I hope you've enjoyed it and look forward to uh, seeing you all next time around.